Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We're back live with more of Anthony Heron and Gabe Ramirez on 670 The Score and Odyssey Station. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Hanging out. Gabe Ramirez, NFL vet Anthony Heron here on 670 The Score. Broadcasting live from the Score Hyundai Studios, brought to you by your local Hyundai dealers. Get to continue the Bears conversation a bit with a unique angle. Uh, Our next guest is joining us on the Circus Sports Illinois Hotline. We got Mike Golick, Jr., host of the Gojo and Golick podcast. Also, college football analyst for Learfield hanging out with us today. And don't forget, download that Circus Sports app today. Mike, good evening. Thanks for hanging out with us. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. What's going on, guys? Uh, let, let me pose yeah. this question because Mike's a, Mike's a big guy like me. And so we, we've had me and my guy Gabe here, Mike, uh, throughout the evening. A couple of things have happened that I'm feeling a certain type of way about. Well, one, we, we addressed it on the air the previous segment where I had snacks I'd already purchased. Then he went. He was on his way to get snacks. He asked me if I wanted something, which was very nice of him to do. I, I didn't know he had ordered. I didn't know right. he had snacks. That's so I was just like, "No, nah, man, I'm good. I'm good." But then he came back with multiple snacks, and then I felt kind of bad because I had bought multiple snacks that I was going to be willing to share. No, he wasn't. No, well, I would have been willing to share. I was not necessarily <laughs> thinking I would immediately <laughs> offer it up. But now I do feel a little bit bad about that because he was being a great partner. He bought multiple snacks with me in mind. Now I just got multiple snacks sitting here that I didn't offer. Him. Mike Golick Jr. strikes me as the guy that is a sharer. Well, snacks can be precious to a big guy, though. So I'm, I'm curious his perspective on this, Mike. I mean, what, did, did I do my partner dirty? So I, I don't think so because I don't think the intent was bad. I am guilty of this, too, where so much of my life was spent eating for business. Like I always <laughs> used to joke when I would sit down at the table, that was a business meeting, and I had things I had to get done there. And so I often think about it, especially in the quantities I buy and bought back then, in that regard and so it doesn't always have you in the most other centered frame of mind but again big guys in our nature we are sharers we are people that want everyone to have some it's just every once in a while we can get a little here literally lost in the sauce mike let me uh, let, let's let's uh take this and, and and try to use it in the form of the chicago bears and say you know do, uh, do they have two snacks that they're looking to keep in justin fields and caleb williams or are they trying to just roll with one or the other <laughs> You know what? I think this is going to be a solo snack situation, much like what you guys have stumbled on here. I, I just think ultimately, if you're the Chicago Bears right now, you've got so many resources at your disposal. That's the, the strength of your offseason. That's why so many people thought they might part ways with Matt Eberflus, because as a potential landing spot for a new head coach, you would have so much to offer somebody here. And I just think if you go all in on Caleb Williams and you decide you're going to draft him up there at the top, 
I think you've got to do that with him playing right away in mind. And I understand there's this thought of, oh, well, look what happened. We just came off another Patrick Mahomes Super Bowl. He's a guy that got to sit for a little bit, but rarely if ever, and I think most things happen with the motivation being somewhat selfish, rarely if ever does the current regime survive when you go the route of, well, we'll try and play the veteran for a little bit, and then we'll pull the rookie ripcord towards the end of the season, and then we'll live to tell the tale. Usually not how it goes. That usually ends up being a season that goes bad, a staff that gets cleared out. We see it time and time again. So I think you go one way. I think you make it crystal clear what your intentions are, and then you get the most of the resources you can from trying to deal, Justin. So I'm guessing in the least you saw Caleb play against the Irish this past season. At this point, it's possible that you've watched even more than that of Caleb Williams. So how do you view the evaluation at this point of the presumed upcoming number one pick in this coming draft? Yeah, well, I mean, first off, I think it's a lot more of a conversation between him and Drake May than a lot of people would have had at the beginning of this college football season. And I've been saying that since August, September. Like, I've had a chance to cover both of them. I did Drake May's first game this uh, this last season and have watched a ton of both of them. They're great players and a ton of fun to watch. And quite honestly, very similar in how they uh, go about their games. Both guys that can buy you a ton of time, make throws at every level, creative arm angles, do it on the run. Both of them at times had to run for their life. I think the biggest difference and the thing that's popped up for Caleb more and more with a lot of draft evaluators, not just myself, but is this idea that at times he holds on for the haymaker a little bit too much. We lionized a lot of this Patrick Mahomes special playmaking ability, but at a certain point, you got to know when to fold them. And I think for Caleb, that's going to be the challenge at the next level. If it is Chicago, he's walking to an offensive line situation that we saw get a lot better as the year went along. And with Justin, we saw one of the criticisms was, hey, when he got heated up at times, the ball wasn't coming out where it needed to. It was a little bit too much patent. It was a little bit too much thinking you can make the home run happen with your legs every time. And so I think for Caleb at the next level, that's going to be one of those things. He's got all the gifts in the world. It's just getting that clock a little bit more in rhythm by creating an environment around him where he's got places to dump the ball off in a way that Justin didn't always did until DJ showed up. We're talking to Learfield's college football analyst and, of course, host of the Gojo and Golick show, Mike Golick Jr. here on 670 The Score, Gabe Ramirez along with NFL vet Anthony Heron hanging out this evening. You know, one thing that I found interesting, Mike, is that, you know, you hear a lot of people saying like, oh, you know, Justin can be better. Justin, you know, he needs this change, this change. But like on the opposite side of it, when it comes to Caleb Williams and, and that argument, I don't hear a ton of people saying like, without a doubt, Caleb Williams is going to be better than Justin Fields. I haven't heard that loudly, but you hear things like, you know, he's a generational talent or he can be great. Why do you think that is? Well, I, I think it's twofold. One, his own special ability. Like we said, there are a lot of really impressive throws in his bag. Like the USC offense is not a, a pro offense by any stretch of the imagination. It's a lot of like short area RPO stuff where Caleb ends up being able to create downfield on some of the more air raid concepts. But overall, I've seen him throw with incredible touch in a lot of areas of the field. He's got a great deep ball. He can do it from all angles. He can do it from all body positions. Like, I've seen him. That Zach Wilson pro day throw that lit us all on fire and made us all feel some type of way about him. I've seen Caleb do that in games, and receivers just dropped them is the only crime that he paid for. So, I do think he's a guy that's got a lot of great NFL throws to his arm. And I think the difference with him and Justin right now is not that 
Justin can't get better. It's that Justin's already had his football foundation compromised at the NFL level, and Caleb's coming in with a clean slate. Caleb's been well coached by the same voice at the college level his entire time there, and Justin's going on what, coordinator number three in four or five years, whatever it is. There aren't a lot of guys that can survive that, and so I just think at this point, yeah, Justin could get better, but at this point, if you're Chicago, if you're the incumbent, banking on that seems like a way that you could potentially lose your job. When you look at the Super Bowl matchup that we just witnessed on Sunday, you obviously have Patrick Mahomes, who is on his way towards, you know, the the GOAT discussion. It's it's already in its beginning stages there for the direction he's begun in his first five years as a starter. Then you also have Brock Purdy in a great organization, playing really well within the scope of Kyle Shanahan's offense and what San Francisco tasks him with. You can only find so many Patrick Mahomes is, you know, there's only a few of those who've ever walked the earth who can do it at that level. So which route, you know, because the bears will have the potential for a decision like that, which route do you believe ends up making more sense to try and build the Jalen hurts type situation where you grow and nurture a prospect with this enhanced roster or someone to say that we, we can go maybe get this guy who, who can make everyone else smell better than they perhaps really do. Yeah, I think with the Bears, you're fortunate to kind of be able to thread the needle in both because so many organizations are so inept when they get these prospects handed to them that it almost always ruins their chances before they start. But we saw the Bears along the lines of scrimmage, what I tend to worry about the most for these young quarterbacks, ended up improving a lot towards the end of last season. You have a clear number one option and receiver that's going to be able to help him out. You've got the ability to add more there. And you're at a spot where you don't got to move capital to get to this guy. It's not like a situation where others have had to reach out. Even the Chiefs had to trade up to get Patrick Mahomes, albeit in the middle of the first round. So I think that's why you can sort of have your cake and eat it too. Because the other, the other school of thought just requires you to hit more often, right? Like the roster the 49ers have built where you've got five different all pros and four guys that are the highest paid at their positions or whatever it is, it, it's – great in theory like oh yeah we'd all love to build up a death star roster around our quarterback but most organizations aren't capable of hitting on all those other positions the same way that the 49ers have the same way the other organizations like the eagles have that's why those are great front offices that are the envy of the rest of the league when in doubt quarterback tends to be the easiest way to elevate your status but again i think because of what the bears did last year and the strides they made i think they're a little bit more ready for this than most who just have to grab at the top quarterback because it's there and then hope and pray they can catch up and save that player before it's too late. Mike, excuse me, Mike. Um, some people around Chicago, you know, uh, recently have the Patriots taking a Marvin Harrison Jr. at number three, and saying that whether it's their second round pick or third round pick, they might be a team that's interested in a Justin Fields. Do you? I, I personally am down on a guy like Jaden Daniels just because I think he's the beneficiary of some like really super talented wide receivers. Uh, but do you think the Patriots would be interested in, in, in grabbing a Marvin Harrison Jr. there? Or do you think they're, they want to start new with a guy like Jaden Daniels? Uh, I would be more inclined to grab Marvin Harrison Jr. there because, again, when we're talking about value, I think outside of Caleb Williams and Drake May, the rest of these quarterbacks are – a bit iffy for me when it comes to a high-end first-round grade like that. We know how this works, right? The NFL is thirsty for quarterbacks, and so Jaden Daniels and you know Michael Penix Jr. and a lot of these other quarterbacks whose names we know, Bo Nix, are going to get first-round flirtation because of the position they pay and the premium that's paid on that in the NFL right now. But 
with the other talent in this draft, and you've got that gaggle of receivers up top, and Marvin Harrison Jr., Malik Neighbors, and Roma Dunze that are top-notch guys in a class that's pretty deep at that position, I'd still say if you're the Patriots, hey, you're restarting with the idea that you need to rebuild a little bit of this foundation coming off of the greatest two-decade stint in your franchise's history, and really any franchise's history. So I would take the best player at that spot. I wouldn't feel compelled to reach a quarterback unless you really love him. And if they look at Jaden Daniels and see him differently than me or everybody else, then that's their prerogative. But I feel like the top receiver that you've got at that point or a great off one of the great offensive tackles in this class could absolutely be an option there. Uh, Gojo, Andy Reid is going to have another, if he wants it, another handful of years to continue enhancing his resume. But right now, by comparison to we just saw the Bill Belichick Patriots era come to a close, most dominant 20-year stretch we've ever seen in the National Football League. But all the dominance was while he had Tom Brady. Then things you know, fell off after Tom Brady went elsewhere and got to Tampa. We've seen with two different organizations now, Andy Reid being an elite-level coach, Now he's got three Super Bowl championships, other Super Bowl appearances. How close is the conversation as you see it between Andy Reid and anyone else you might view in that conversation with Bill Belichick? But is Andy Reid quickly closing that gap? Oh, yeah, I think he's got to be in the conversation. Bill probably still gets the credence overall, and there's other names. I mean, no, Bill's trying to catch John Shula for the all-time wins numbers, and there's other great coaches in history. But I think what you just hit on there, Andy Reid's legacy is going to be that he plays nice with others so much so that he can look around at situations and in entirely different circumstances, get the best out of what's around there. And, you know, he's done it a different way, which I appreciate because we spent so much of the Patriot era watching people try and recreate that, right? Whether it was hiring former Patriot assistants or the way they tried to structure their team. And it's really hard to do when you don't have those specific parts involved. And, For Andy Reid, he went about winning his way. You've seen and read so much about his style of coaching, the way that he treats his players, the way that he approaches his staff. There's a lot more levity for him. And so it's a good reminder for all of us that there's not one right way to do this. Bill's way controlled for a lot of variables and allowed them to do that for a really long time. But Andy Reid's also had a lot of great longevity. And when he married up with his future Hall of Fame quarterback, the Super Bowl started to follow. So there's clearly a lot of merit to his way. Oh, and it's been beautiful to watch. I mean, even as a Bears fan, it's just been great to watch to see what what greatness looks like, not only at the quarterback position, but just from a coaching standpoint. It's been been a lot of fun. We're talking to Mike Golick Jr. here on 670 The Score. Gabe Ramirez, Anthony Heron. Uh, So I I know you work with your dad. And, you know, I worked with my dad for two years. And I used to always, like, bum lunches off of him, you know, even though <laughs> we were both working and I kind of just, like, was whatever. That was your dad. Is, well, it, is that considered bumming lunches? What is well, that, that's why I'm going to ask Mike. I'm going <laughs> to say, like, what, what's it like working with your pops? And, and, and have you ever ran into those situations of, uh, you know, making him pay for lunch? Oh, no, I make you pay for lunch all that's the time. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> you have to. I mean, what, what I'm are we not talking paying. about here? I'm not paying. I saw how well Mike and Mike did for all those years. <laughs> right. I know what he made during that time. I am not bowling like that yet. So no, he is. You know, on occasion, he came out this last fall. He calls games for Westwood One on radio for the NFL. He was on their Sunday night football packages. So he had a couple Chargers games out here where I live in L.A. now. So he was out visiting me, came and stayed with me. And I took him out and I paid for a couple of dinners there Ooh. as like a thank you for everything there. And gave him a little treat. And I told him. Don't get used to this. Instead, <laughs> our bank accounts are still structured yeah. very different. And so until further notice, 
Big Bank eats Little Bank, or in this case, I eat off Big Bank's plate. I'm just a, this is just a gesture. I want to be very clear. But <laughs> the, the norm not is resetting the standard around here. Yeah. This is just a kindness that I want to do for you. <laughs> What'd you make of Usher at halftime the other night? Uh, man, I thought he did a great job. So I mean, the man I. just unprompted brought out roller skates and also like. I don't know, went out there and tenderly held another man's wife. I was a little bit like, I was, I was a little bit thrown off. Swiss beats the better man than I am. But uh, I mean, all in all, no, I thought it was a great performance. I am, I'm happy. So I'm 34 right now. I am firmly in the age range where the Super Bowl has now decided they are catering to my musical mm-hmm. taste. Yeah. And it's been that way for the last few years now, going all the way back you know the Dre and Snoop and Eminem halftime show and all that stuff so we're in the sweet spot now for me musically where the Super Bowl every year is just one big nostalgia trip I love it yeah 18 to 34 you know so you know those ratings (laughs) hey Mike I appreciate you hanging out with us man great stuff as always really do look forward to talking to you again soon absolutely I'll bring snacks next time thanks guys (laughs) please do Mike Golick Jr. make sure you follow man Gojo and Golick it's the podcast with him and his dad uh they got stuff every Tuesdays. You got to check them out. They just talked to the uh, hosts of the UEFA Champions League because today was Champions League. Oh, okay. And, uh, yeah, so I was watching those games earlier today. There's so many leagues, man. It's a lot. The Champions the, League is like Champions League, the the Premier League. No, but Champions MLS. League is like the is like the it's where all the winners of all the leagues come and play. Oh, really? Yeah, wow. that's why I call the Champions League. I, did, I didn't understand yeah. that. Okay. So like so like the top three or four or four from Germany, mm. the top four from England, the top four from, you know, Italy, the top four from Spain. They come together and with these other teams from the, these other countries, and then they play in a round-robin type of Bundesliga. Champions League. That's that, is that German. a thing? That's German League. That's the German one. Okay. That's the German League. All right. So Bayern Munich, those guys, yeah. Borussia Dortmund, those teams over there, like they'll go play in there. It, it, it's pretty cool, man. Like I said, something I picked up later Triano, in life. you big Bundesliga guy? Not at all. No? All okay. I said, listen, here's the number one thing that makes – Soccer amazing, and it is relegation mm. because the Bundesliga, right, is like the NBA, right? It's their, mm-hmm. it's their soccer league, but we, uh-huh. you know, we got to be. But the difference is in the Bundesliga, right? Like if the Yankees have a bad season, and they end up in the bottom three, they go down <laughs> and play in their minor leagues, for lack of better, you know. Mm-hmm. Kind of, but here's the best part about the Bundesliga. I'll tell you this before we get to a break. So there's relegation, right? So the bottom two teams in the Bundesliga, this is not the same for every league. Right? I, I was going to ask, does everyone, like, I've heard of relegation. Everybody has relegation. I know it's a soccer thing, but I'll say all of them do relegation have relegation. Okay. Everybody has relegation in soccer. But in, in specifically in German soccer, the bottom two teams, right, so the A league, we'll call it the A league, right? Mm-hmm. That's, that's the top league. Mm-hmm. The bottom two teams in the A league go down automatically. Oh, wow. Right? All right. The top two teams in the B league go up automatically. Okay. Right? So you're always motivated. To have a, a real, like, Even a in legit a bo- season. Especially if you're at the bottom of the league because you don't want to be relegated, right? So you try, and it's, it's, it's there's money involved, right? Like, you make way more money, obviously, playing against the Yankees. So, like, what if you get hammered by injuries and you just have one bad season because your two best players got hurt? You better hope that – well, you could, there's, like, a transfer window in the middle, so it gets, it gets kind of different. But, but check okay. this out, though. Check this out, though. So, in German league, right? Top Bundesliga. Two, top, bottom two go down, top two go up. But there's called the million-dollar match. And it is where the third from last place team in the A-League, right? A-League, third from last. They didn't get automatically relegated. Third from last, but they're like, hey, but do you suck? <laughs> and so what they do is they take the third place team in the B-League, right? And they're like, did you just have a really good A and B team? You know, mm-hmm. the, the one and two team, and maybe you were really good. Yeah. But check this out, though. If you're the third to last team in the A-League and you lose to the third place team in the B League, mm. then yeah, you deserve to go down. So you can still get relegated from that match. match too? Million dollar match. That's what they call it. Wow. 
So for that one last, so when I started watching, and you'll soccer, still get relegated based off that one off match. Off that one match. Oh, because you should, and you should be able to beat the third the place team in the B League, right? So there's think about it. You should. Yeah. It's not the first, not the best team. Sure. It's not the second best team. It's the third best team. So you should be able to beat them. But if you don't, your ass is going down, All and right. they're going up. And it happened recently, like a couple years ago. Yeah. Anyway, that right there. That in itself got uh-huh. me watching soccer to begin with. Okay. And since I'm on a rant, I'm going to continue. <laughs> and people will be like, Gabe, it's boring, right? Boring, boring. And I won't even get into the how, you know. I'm not bored. Two touchdowns versus one touchdown. Teaching me something. It's not 21 to 7. It's really two to three to one. You know what I'm saying? But I'm not going to get into that. <laughs> but what I'll say is this. Same way you can watch a football game and there will be beauty in a first down throw, mm-hmm. a beauty in a first down run, right. a beauty in a defensive play. It has nothing to do with the score. It's, it's within the game where there's beauty. There's beauty in soccer as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, excellent pass down the field. A nice cross that comes over. A guy might not make a goal on a certain thing, but you know, a defender might make a great play. This goal. So there's beauty within it. And once you start yeah. seeing it that way, and the relegation thing, that, I'm telling you, is amazing. Relegation has always struck me as really intriguing. I just have never studied professional soccer enough right. to know who does it and all these different things, man. But, yeah, it's uh, okay. um, I might have to check this out. Especially just knowing the million-dollar match thing. And Champions League tomorrow. So if you want to watch best of the best tomorrow, it'll be that. All right, uh, we are going to talk to the best of the best. We're going to go from someone that was the best of the Mm -hmm. best to another guy that's the best of the best. Brock Heward's going to be joining us next to continue the Bears conversation. Don't go anywhere. It's Gabe Ramirez. It's Anthony Heron. We are not getting relegated. We are staying atop. 670 to score. Let's go. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can over overthink what you'll wear on that third date download the instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last minimum ten dollar per order additional term supply t-mobile has invested billions to light up america's largest 5g network from big cities to small towns including right here in yours and great coverage is just the beginning right now families and small businesses can save up to 20 percent versus at&t and verizon when they switch visit your local t-mobile store today plan savings with three lines of t-mobile essentials versus comparable available plans plan features and taxes and fees may vary after the end of a good fight you deserve an ice cold reward Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Bears fans are super interested about the offensive coordinator coming in, Shane Waldron. What can you tell them about who they just hired to, to uh, try to get this offense where it needs to go? Um, uh, oh. this, is, this is live? Yeah. <laughs> We're not live. We're not live. I'm playing. Um. <laughs> We're back live with more of Anthony Heron and Gabe Ramirez on 670 The Score in Odyssey Station. Shout out Mark Carmen and the CHGO guys. Harm. Talking to Jackson Smith and Jigba and Chris. Go Hawks. Chris Carm's a Hawkeye. Is he really? Uh-huh. Carm's a good guy. Yeah. First time I hung up with Carm was 
my first interactions with Carm were was on a, a sports talk live on NBC Sports. Okay, yeah. Uh huh. And just you know, you know me, you know me literally, <laughs> and so like you know, I like good people that <laughs> got good vibes that right. don't be feeling themselves too much. <laughs> and Carm's one of those dudes where like him and I just you know he's he's an easy guy to talk to. He's just right. very nice, and you know. So my runners have been great with him. So, yeah, great stuff there. That was, Iowa. that was a good one. Next time you meet a jerk who went to Iowa be the first time you meet a jerk who went to Iowa. All right. I know some people that went to <laughs> Iowa. I don't know about that. Um, what do you think about that, that exchange, though? I, I took it more like, I don't know. Well, what did you take it as when I you mean, saw that? Or you I think that? if it was, if he felt it was really easy just to give this full-throated ringing endorsement of Shane Waldron, then it probably would have, you know, probably or whatever. But my expectation would be that it would just flow from his mouth yeah. that quickly. But it doesn't mean he thinks he's an awful coach. I mean, you know, the staff gets let go in Seattle. The offense wasn't that great. Jackson Smith and Jigba was a rookie in an offense that struggled a bit last year. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's not shocking to me that he may not think Shane Waldron is the, the best offensive mind that he's ever encountered or that, you know, he's going to set the world ablaze when he gets to Chicago. But it also just the hesitation to me doesn't necessarily mean that he thinks – you know, that he's booty either. I said, I have a quote here from DJ Moore. Okay. It says, I'll give you one thing. They let the receivers do what they do best. Some of that maybe wasn't happening all the time. You know, it was happening, you know, just not on a consistent basis, I would say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's DJ Moore talking about what he Seems saw fair. with Shane Waldron's offense compared yep. to, but then you hear Jackson Smith and Jig was like, People, is it the, is it a grass is greener kind of a thing? Like, what is it? <laughs> I think that it, it certainly can be a part of that when you when you're evaluating one team versus the other. Because around the National Football League, you're going to see the other team's film pretty frequently if you're facing an opponent who you know the the team who you didn't necessarily see. You know, the Bears didn't play Seattle last season, but they had some like opponents. So you're seeing their offense on film, playing against the defense you're getting ready to face. You get a sense for how that offense is operating, what they're doing, what they're focusing on, what they're featuring that you feel like maybe could suit you. So you get a sense, especially over a couple of years where Shane Waldron was calling the plays in Seattle, you kind of get a sense for what his system looks like, how his system operates, and it kind of lets you know that, you know what? Yeah, I'm not necessarily digging what we're doing here. That looks kind of fun. I know the talent of some of the guys they have over there. You know what, Tyler Lockett, right, they're kind of using him, you know, kind of nice. And Oh, man, there goes, oh, they got that, that big statue out at receiver. They got, you know, they, they got a, a transformer out there at wide out. They're making sure that they're using all his skills adequately. So I think that, you know, when you're evaluating that, and even if it's just you seeing through your lens of, hey, I'm supposed to be watching that defense, but I kind of like what that other offense is doing. And I think DJ Moore can have an informed opinion about that while at the same time, you don't know for sure until he comes in yeah. and starts coaching you and calling your plays. But we do have our, our guests on the hotline. Yeah, yeah. Right I mean, now. somebody that's a little more informed maybe than DJ Moore, right? Because you got a chance right. to watch him closely, understands the quarterback position a bit more than most. Uh, and he's hanging out with us right now on the Circa Resort and Casino Hotline, uh, former NFL quarterback. Uh, and, of course, we hear him talking with Jason Benetti, of course, on Fox, <laughs> doing his college football thing uh, as well. It's Brock Hewer. Brock, welcome to the show. Anthony and Gabe, man, how are you guys? I'm, I'm going to try not to make a viral soundbite like uh, <laughs> like Jackson Smith and Jigba did on Radio Row twice when you didn't have an answer about Mr. Waldron. I'll, I'll see if I can give you a little bit more than JSN gave you. Well, well, I mean, obviously, you know, you had a front row seat. You know, saw, saw more than most. And, and, you know, when you're looking at Shane Waldron, I mean, people here in Chicago are 
expecting him to be the answer, right? Someone that can get something out of this offense that they haven't seen in a couple of years, you know, ranking towards the bottom of the league. Well, what can you tell us about him and, and, and what the, what should Chicago expect when you're getting a guy like Shane Waldron? Well, I'll, I'll try to give you some of the good and the bad, right? Because it's, it's mixed reviews, and any time a coaching staff gets fired and, and gets let go, and it happens a lot in the league because this league, the, the line and the margin is so slim between winning and losing and good and bad. Uh, the good is Geno Smith. I mean, the good is that Shane Waldron can say on his resume, hey, look, I took a journeyman guy that was out of the league that if it weren't for Seattle and Pete Carroll and John Schneider – Geno Smith might have been playing in the CFL or done. There just what there was not a market for him. And Shane Waldron and Dave Canales, who's now the head coach in Carolina, took Geno. They empowered Geno. They believed in him, and he was comeback player of the year two years ago. So that is the good on the resume. That's what gets you excited. The bad is just a little bit. I think why Jackson on Radio Row really didn't have an answer because Shane is not a big presence. He's not a commanding force. He's not a, he's not a general in charge. He's like the nicest guy. Um, he knows his stuff. I can understand why he interviewed there and, and got the job, because he's got a great background. He knows the whiteboard. He knows the X's and O's. But I think the bad and the challenge there in, in Seattle is just commanding the room, right, commanding the DK Metcalf, commanding the Jackson Smith and Jigba, commanding that entire offensive group and saying, I got this, I'm in charge, and, and that kind of presence. So, and, you know, the excuse or the explanation would be, hey, listen, he's working for Pete Carroll. He can't really do what he wants to do. And Pete wants him to run the ball, and Pete wants him to be conservative, and Pete wants him to not turn it over and protect the ball at all costs. And maybe that is what limited some of that, as I said, just kind of presence that I'm in charge, follow me, and we're going to take off with this offense. And the way that Geno Smith was able to flourish in a way that he'd never flourished before at the NFL level, how much of that was? Because it's been a familiar refrain with people I've talked to about Shane Waldron that his personality is very congenial. And, you know, that's not necessarily all bad. Was that a part of why Geno Smith flourished under his tutelage? I think it is, and I think it's just that belief and empowerment. Right, Anthony, when you and I played a couple decades ago, maybe you're not as old as me, and I played last century, um, you remember, man, coaches were, were, were hard. They were, there were a lot more player haters than there were player builders. There was a lot more play out of fear, play out of just, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, to you know, have this care to play in time, and you better do, my, do it the way I want to, and intimidation and fear than it was about empowering and believing and pouring into them. And, you know, Shane got a great dose of that for three years with Pete Carroll, man. It's hard to find a culture where you have more player empowerment, where you believe in your guys more than the way Pete Carroll did. So Shane does bring some of that. And, you know, Geno's gone on the record and said that that was a huge part of why his career turned. It was the first time it was his job. And the first time people truly believed in him. So, yeah, congenial is a good word. Cerebral is a good word. You know, very even-tempered is a good word. I think those are all characteristics of Shane. And in a market that, as you guys said and Gabe, you said, has not seen a ton of success and and not seen a pro bowl, all-pro level quarterback and a high-level quarterback, you know, he could say, yeah, man, I I did that and I was a part of it. And, And I'm sure, as I said earlier, that helped him get this job in Chicago. We're talking to Brock Hewer, former NFL QB and Fox analyst here on 670 to score. Gabe Ramirez, former NFL vet, Anthony Heron, hanging out with you. 
Brock, you know, as a former QB, talk to me about the difficulties of having different coordinators because a lot of people, you know, are putting that on Justin or allowing him to to use that as – or not him himself, but we – people are using it for him and saying yeah. this is the reason why he's not performing well. But you as a guy who played the position and obviously, you know, had, had, had that situation or probably had that situation – what what are the difficulties associated with that? Maybe that we don't get as a casual fan. It's hard, man. It really is. I mean, I I, I wouldn't use it as as an excuse all the time because <clears throat> we know the turnover and change is a part of the NFL. It's part of college. <laughs> you know, the, the thought of Peyton Manning being in one system and owning his system for <clears throat> eighteen years of his career. I mean, that's just likely not going to happen anymore. Or Tom Brady with Charlie Weiss and keeping the same family and the same language and the same system. You just get, you know, so much more deeper involved in it. It's learning a new language. So you tell me, Gabe, you know, you want to you learn French next year and German the following year and Latin the following year. Like, it, there is some new language to it. I would say this, that the longer you go, the easier it gets. And I'll, I'll use my own life experience. That I remember getting drafted to the Seahawks. Mike Holmgren had gone from Green Bay to Seattle. And in the QB room was a guy named Mike McCoy, you know, who's become a longtime NFL coach, Glenn Foley, John Kitten, and myself. And um, for, you know, all of them, it was new. It was Mike Holmgren's bringing the West Coast system. And, and while some of them had some background in it, Mike McCoy had quite a bit, I had zero coming out of college. And it felt like a total foreign language. I was like, man, I am not picking this up. Am I just dumb? Why are these guys able to pick it up more? And, and I remember my QB coach, excuse me, pulling me aside after mini campaign and saying, listen, you got to understand, like Glenn and John and Mike, while they don't know this exact vernacular or vocabulary, they say, oh, okay, so you call this two-jet, I called it 70. Okay, you called it scat, I called it, right? So they at least had the different languages they could pull from. So Justin's about seen it all. <laughs> He's about heard it all. He's about seen every language there is. So the longer you go, the easier it is because then you start to piece it together and go, oh, okay. Yeah, you know, in, in Seattle, I call that two-jet flanker drive. Here we call it 70X cross, right? But you're able to just kind of put those pictures together versus as a rookie or a second-year player, man, it could be overwhelming and quite daunting. And especially where, you know, you, you got to watch the Justin Fields collegiate part of his career and you've seen what he's been doing in the NFL. He, he was never – even in all the success he had at Ohio State, wasn't a naturally rhythmic and timely passer, yep. even at that point in his development, yep. but it is developing in the NFL. You've now come off uh, some time here where you've called several Caleb Williams games in your time with Fox yeah. Sports. So yeah. that's the decision the Bears are taxed yep. with right <laughs> now and trying to figure out what do we think of that guy versus what we have here, a guy who's growing, maturing, and has made plays in the NFL versus the number one overall pick that is presumed to be Caleb Williams. How, how do you evaluate what you've seen in calling the games yeah. of him? Man, Anthony, it is so hard because Caleb, I would say, is a more natural just thrower, right? Like if you if you looked at the two of them out of the combine and, and I got a chance to see Justin a couple times his last year at Ohio State and he was unbelievable and the system was terrific and it was a it was a great fit. And, and he was a, a plus thrower, you know, and, and I, I didn't look at him like, oh, gosh, this, this delivery is broken or this has got to be remade or this is Tim Tebow or even like a Lamar Jackson delivery that, that needed to really be, you know, tweaked. I didn't see that, but there was always, as you said, maybe not the most rhythmic and the smoothest. 
Caleb Williams, super smooth stroke, man. He can he can really let it rip. But the challenge, <laughs> the challenge of this and why this is so difficult is he doesn't love playing on time either. I mean, you watch him at USC and, you know, as far as just playing, hey, man, totally in rhythm and get that ball out and play in 2.5 seconds and go one to two and get it out. And, and in fact, you know, when you look at a lot of guys in Lincoln's system, they had the benefit of, of you know, having a ton of stuff scripted for them answers on every single play and tons of production, right? With Baker Mayfield and all the guys, Kyler. And, and so it's just as much as you want to say for Justin, like, well, look at Ohio state, you know, look at all the people around him. Well, look at Lincoln Riley's system, man. It makes so many of these quarterbacks look so good. In fact, Miller Moss threw six touchdowns, a school <laughs> record in the bowl game when he filled in for Caleb Williams. So, Hey man, this is not this is not easy. And you could put a tape together and show Caleb Williams and say, "Come on, man, play on time, play on rhythm. You're not going to get to do that in the NFL. You're not going to get away without the NFL. You've got to play in a whole lot more rhythm because we've watched it with Justin, and that's some of his struggle. But in the same token, that's what makes the dude magical. I mean, that's what makes the guy like he's an elite running back prowess and skills and agility." Wrapped up in a great delivery as a quarterback, too. So, yeah, man, it's what, what are we, mid-February? Yeah, you're going to be talking about this for two more months, and there is going to be nobody, nobody that's going to give you the most definitive answer because it's not black and white, man. It is incredibly gray and in many ways the way that you want to paint that narrative and paint that picture. I didn't hear you give an answer, Brock, but that's true. <laughs> uh, well, I said this earlier. Like, I, I would – I would think there's great advantage in all of the years that Justin has in time on task. I think he's an unbelievable runner. I think he's a dynamic dude. I think he needs somebody to believe in him and empower him. Now, you guys watch him every down of every game of every Sunday. I don't. So you would know, like, oh, Brock, if you would only watch this and that and this and that. (laughs) I look at it as, hey, man, this dude has hardened skin. He's been through the fire. As long as that locker room believes in him, you tell me, Gabe and, and Anthony, you guys are closer. Does that locker room believe in him? Oh, yeah. Do they follow him? Do they, do, you know, would they run through the wall for him? 100%. Because if so, man, I think that's a valuable, valuable experience. That's the one of several things that makes this really difficult because DJ Moore and Cole Komet and multiple running backs and offensive linemen, guys all throughout that Bears locker room who've been through these fires with Justin Fields of trying to build something to this point, who have said how much they believe in him. And they'd rather have him than some college kid. Now, they're all pros. So if they draft (laughs) Caleb and trade Justin, they're they're going to do their jobs. But, man, they have vociferously publicly supported Justin Fields to continue to be the Bears quarterback. And it's, it's hard to think Ryan Poles would completely ignore that. While at the same time, he's had the number one pick two years in a row. That's got to be hard for him to pass on here. Yes. Yeah, and you know the other the other challenge with that or opportunity once again it's a double-edged sword that cuts both ways is oh my gosh you trade that pick and in this draft where I could get two I could get an elite interior offensive lineman which you need I can get another bona fide absolute stud tackle which you need I can get another receiver which you need like you can add to positions of need in the first four rounds of this draft and guess what. Now you surround Justin with dudes like you had at Ohio State, you know, where he's not having to carry the load and quite do everything, but you can, you know, spread it out and take some of that burden off of him with some really elite players at positions of need. 
And golly, with that defense, you you, you surround Justin with three more dudes. You tell me, are you not going to compete right away in that NFC North? I think so. I, I, I think so. My my impression. I've said this on the station a decent bit. I think in 2024, Justin Fields, I'm confident he'll be a better football player in 2024 than Caleb Williams. In the end, yeah. if the Bears evaluate that over the next decade, Caleb Williams yep. is is the guy who yep. can take them to the Super Bowl, then that's got to be a factor for them as well. I, I, I told the guys I was going to save time to talk to you about Jason Benetti because the city's hurting from losing him <laughs> to the, the Detroit Tigers. But I do yeah. want to ask you about the human aspect of Caleb Williams, though, because you're so great yeah. in talking about that part of this also. Yeah. The evaluation of the physical traits mm. – if that's off the charts, then that's only a part of the puzzle yep. for when you're going to yep. take a guy number one overall. And there have been so many questions about Caleb Williams, his maturity, his commitment, his toughness, all these other things, the intangibles of him as a potential number one pick. What have you witnessed there? Gosh, a little bit of both, Anthony. Like, you know, if I were to talk to you guys at the end of last year, I just said, oh, man, this is the dude when it comes to that when it comes to the way he treats people, when it comes to showering his teammates with generosity, when he was given so much in this NIL world and he didn't just hoard it all, but he actually, you know, bestowed, um, you know, monies and, 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 just, and, and did stuff that people didn't need to see. Like, it, it, so that is honestly, if we were having this exact same conversation after his previous season. I would have said probably take it number one, End of story. He was an unbelievable athlete. He's a running back with a quarterback arm, and he's got just uh, you know traits and unselfishness, and, and as I said, a generosity that you don't hear a lot of that term. But I think that's important in a position leadership. Fast forward through this last season, and some of just the mercurial behavior and the ups and the downs, and handling all the pressures, and I don't know, like put your jersey on at the bowl game. It's a little, you know, it's a little nothing burger. But come, you know, come on, man! Like, you know, or, or maybe even play in that bowl game after such a disappointing season. I don't know, but it was a disappointing season, and you know there were some real ups and downs emotionally of, of handling all of that pressure. So the good in that, Anthony, is he's been through the fire. He's handled prosperity. He's handled highs. He's handled lows. And when you get to the league, I think it's uh, I think it's a good thing that he's had that full circle. But there was certainly some just, I don't know, I wouldn't call it like emotional baggage or anything like that. But there were certainly some times where maybe you blinked a little bit, where maybe there was a little bit of flinch, where maybe all of the expectations of repeating his eyes with trophy winner and all of the emotion and all the pressure, you know, that maybe a time or two you blinked. And uh, that's human. And he's human. And he's unbelievably young. <laughs> You're talking about still not a. Not a 24-, 25-year-old like Stetson Bennett or many of these six-year players. I mean, he's a true, true junior. He's a third-year player. He's seen just about everything there is to see. So, you know, to answer it and not dance around the question, I would check positive. I would say those non-physical you know, physical things, those intangibles, that, that leadership, I would check on the positive end of that spectrum. But there were more questions after this season than there certainly were after the successes of the previous year. He just needed to be tested because he's going to need thick skin to be quarterback of the Chicago Bears. Chicago, Brock, I appreciate you hanging out with us, man. You're the goods, man. Look forward to talking to you again soon. Yeah, I'm sorry it was not more definitive. I'm going to end the call, and I'm going to evaluate myself, and I'm going to say that was a very poor very poor job as a guest because you just hemmed and hawed and said a hell of a lot without saying very much. But honestly, boys, like right now, 
that's just the predicament you find yourself in. I wish it was more clear and more definitive. I wish I could be Merrill Hodge, but I can't. Yeah, right. Then you would be. Then you Then you would be giving us the viral clip that you were talking about earlier, Brock. I appreciate you, man, Brock. You were. Make sure you follow Brock's him on awesome. Twitter. At Brock Hewitt, just great stuff right there uh, from, from him. All right, we're going to take a break, circle back, talk a little bit more. Bears, don't go anywhere. It's Gabe Ramirez and Anthony Heron on the score. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. We're back live with more of Anthony Heron and Gabe Ramirez on 670 The Score and Odyssey Station. And, you know... We've been we've we've had our handful of contracts in our day, you know, whether it be me and, and, and radio, you and radio, TV, and sportsing. Mm-hmm. I do a lot of sportsing, sportsing yeah. for sure. You've done mm-hmm. that. You had your fair share of contracts there. Right. Uh, I'm trying to think. One of the most unique things I've had in, into one of my contracts, I, I put I made them put in there that uh, I would I was able to keep every article of clothing that they ever gave me. Like, I made them put that in there. <laughs> I was like, I'm not giving you anything back that you give me. Whatever you give me is mine. Okay. Because I had I'd known them to do that. Yeah. So All I right. made sure That's they put that in my contract. That was good. Any quirks like that? Um, in your a, a sunglass specific clause Are you was in my contract one time. Yeah, I had to deal with Reebok uh, when I was in the league. And I, I had a, sungla- a sunglasses contract, uh, a sunglass clause in my contract because I've got an enormous head. So I wanted to make sure mm-hmm. I had a clause where I could buy sunglasses that would actually fit my dome. So I had a sunglass a I contract love that. Uh, clause in my contract with Reebok one time. All right, all right. There is a current NBA Spencer Dinwiddie, who has a unique uh, clause in his contract. If his new team, the Lakers, win the NBA championship, what is that clause? And do the Bulls have a shot at facing them in the championship, baby? No? Okay. We'll discuss it next. It's Gabe Ramirez and Anthony Heron, 670 The Score. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.